And my name, my pseudonym is Bootsy W. And I wrote the book, I Go, I Go. So I have it here. This, 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 this is, is, is Diversified diverse. 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 game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, all the way from South Korea, I have the author, Bootsy W., and she's going to tell us about her book that you might have seen the advertisement if you are a follower of the African Diaspora News Channel. She's been advertising for over a month there, and we're going to hear about all her progress and what's to come next. Bootsy W., welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello. I am doing great. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I thank you for coming on. And I just want to get right into it, because when people say you're in Korea, I'm sure you get this question by your family, your friends, people who discover you, reconnect with you on Facebook. Why Korea? Okay. Yeah. I'm. Sometimes I think about why am I here myself? <laughs> I... <laughs> first heard about Korea back when I was on Facebook. Like, I haven't been on there in so many years. But a long time ago, I was on there, and a friend of mine from high school was teaching in Korea. And they seemed to have had a really good experience. And I just thought it was a good way to travel and get paid and I was definitely looking for a career change. So that's how I ended up coming here. And for those who just are saying, oh, Korea, I've heard a lot of great things about it. I've watched the internet. I've heard some good, some bad, some ugly. Are you happy with the move? And, you know, financially, has it been something that you can say, you know what? My, if I'm not personally, you know, all the way satisfied because <laughs> I'm still trying to get to know this area, um, you know, my at least my bank account is happy. Uh, I think that it's a good experience. I personally, you know, it depends on people's personality, but I would say that it's really better for short term, even though I've been here for a long time. But what happened was I graduated during the recession in the U.S. And I needed a way to pay back my student loans. <laughs> and <laughs> so I stayed in South Korea for a couple of years and then I was ready to go. I came back to the States and the job market still really hadn't improved. So I just thought, you know what? Because there's such a rat race in the U.S. and I was just over it because it's one of the benefits of being in South Korea is it's very comfortable. And so because it's so comfortable, it's easy to stay a long time. But, you know, if you want to if you don't always want to teach, then I think it may not be the best place to be long term. That's how I would put it. <laughs> Uh, now, now you talk about comfort. Talk about some of those comforts, especially being a black woman, because, you know, people always will 
see the negative and they'll latch onto it and say, oh, you can't go there. You can't go there. Even African countries, you have black Americans saying, don't go there. because, And it's because sometimes of what they've heard, not the, what they've experienced. And it depends right. if you go to a different country, whether you're a missionary or if you go as military and you're going as someone who is a teacher. So talk about those comforts. What are those comforts that we may not have here, even in America? Okay, so the comforts are, um, regardless of race, when you are a teacher here, they pay for your apartment. And so normally the apartment is a studio apartment. It's very humble, but it's still very nice not to have that bill. So if you need to pay back your student loans or if you want to save money, it's very good. <laughs> it's a very good deal. And um, some people, though, for whatever reason, like their jobs will give them really nice apartments. So you never know. But I would say like the average, you're just going to get like a very humble studio apartment. Um, and then some of the other comforts, things are within walking distance. So like grocery stores, pharmacy, restaurants, they're within walking distance. You don't need to have a car. Um, public transportation is everywhere all the time and is very affordable. And the other benefit is health care. You get health care here and they have they have universal health care and it's very affordable and it's very good quality. <laughs> so those are like the big things that have kept me in this country for a long time. Um, now, with that being said, there definitely are challenges for being in South Korea. Like, there's racism here. Like, I'm not going to say that there's not. There, There is racism, colorism, and all those things. Okay. And, okay. Uh, you know, there's there's that everywhere. I mean, even, you mm -hmm. know, you can go to South Africa and you can get, you know, the division between the blacks, the whites, and the coloreds and, and all that. But is the – do you find it to be – more racist than America, less racist, are just different? Uh, it's, I would say, it's hard to say. I would say that it's maybe just as racist, but they don't have the violence here. And that's always been my thing. It's like, if they ever become violent, then I'm out. Like, the, I'm not going to, you know, stay here for that. But yeah, you don't. I've never heard of police brutality, like in any kind of way, like especially with uh, in regards to with black people. But I've just I really haven't heard of it at all. But I'm sure it, it has happened, but it's just not a thing here. You don't have to worry about someone going on a shooting spree because guns are illegal here. So at nighttime, it's very safe to go for a nice evening walk. You know, I mean, just, of course, use discretion, like don't go down some dark alleyway by yourself or something. But, you know, the normal popular areas are very safe to go even at night. And that is something in America. It's, you know, unless you're in a place like New Orleans, it's, you know, you're not going to be going down at 2 a.m. in Oakland, California or West Palm Beach. It's just not for, for what, you know, and when you get out this country, you, you're like, wait, I'm outside and I'm not even looking at the time. So I'm, yeah. I'm so happy to 
so happy to hear that. As far as, you know, racism is such a, a broad thing. Is it subtle? Is it direct? Like, oh, you can't live here. You can't eat here. Um, you're not welcomed in this hotel. Like, what type of racism is there that you've experienced? Um, okay. So yeah, I wouldn't say that it's like, you can't eat at this restaurant, but just things that I've noticed just walking down the street, sometimes people will give me a dirty look or they might say something and it's not my race. They might say something about my weight or my look or my hair. Um, it's just those kind of things. And it it doesn't sound like so bad, but then I know when I've been around like a white coworker or a white friend who's the same size as me, but they don't get that reaction. It's it's different with them. They get the, oh, you're so pretty, Yapuda, and all this stuff. So it's still, yeah, I mean, I would say that it's those kind of things, or it's kind of like, I feel they look at black people as more of the workhorse and white people or light skinned people as like the show ponies kind of thing. Where I feel I have felt like I've needed to almost prove myself and work as opposed to coworkers in the past where I haven't felt that they had to do that as much. And, and, and let's tackle something because South Korea, like on the charts, is supposed to be, I think, uh, like a 54 percent. People say they're happy where in America it's much lower than that. I think it was like at 14, if you can believe, you know, really? stats, stats, can, stats can always change and it depends where you get it. Right. But, you know, that that happiness factor. But when you say they're talking about you. To about your weight? Are they saying that directly to your face? Are they saying it oh. in Korean and English? Um, in Korean, um, I I do think I've heard someone say it in English, but yeah, they're very direct about appearances. Like appearances here is everything. South Korea has the highest per capita plastic surgery in the world, so I will say they are very harsh on themselves and each other, but I just feel like there's another level of harshness when it comes to black people. And it's just something like, I can't, that's one, one of the great things about the US is that it's diverse. And I just can't understand that like, even after all these years, I'm just like, well, I don't know why they can't accept that some people are just different. That I don't know, they want everyone to kind of fit in the same box. I think that's a, a cultural thing. Okay, and so for the audience, and they can't see you, and I can see you, and I'm like, your weight. Like, you know, for an, I'm like, what, what's the problem? Uh, because if it wasn't your weight, maybe, you know, it was how you do your makeup, right? Or something, because I know they like mm -hmm. to have heavy makeup where we don't need all that. Or we right. were naturally, you know, just naturally, you know, we woke up like this, but... Weight-wise, is it where they're telling you you should actually lose weight? Because we know they're, you know, naturally, normally very thin. But I've met some fat Koreans who eat too much bulgogi. So <laughs> <laughs> how do they, how do they like tell you, okay, you have a weight problem because you don't look like me? Like, how does that even come across? One thing, 
well, the reason why I named my book I Go, I Go, I Go, because I Go is like pain. It's something like a lot of old people might say when, you know, when they stand up and their back hurts, they'll say, I go. Um, but it also can be an emotional pain, like, oh, my God, or oh, dear. And so I've had people look at me and say, I go. I hear it all the time. That's why the I named my book that. And I'm just so offended because I'm like, how can you look at me? And a lot of times people who do that, they don't look special themselves <laughs> so it's really i just i can't believe the audacity of it and like i said like i remember this this was years ago i had a co-worker who was probably bigger than me but they just doted on her oh your light hair your light eyes your da 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 just nothing but positive things but when it comes to me it's i go and it's um, Tung Tung, which is fat, um, Kun size, uh, very like big size. Um, and just it's like, I didn't ask for your opinion. Why, you know, just kind of those rude things. So I, I feel that they kind of know they can't say something about my skin color. So they kind of go to the other things, but I'm just like, why are you so bothered by it? You don't even know me. It's literally like I've really offended them is how it comes across. So now, now you guys, Bootsy W, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I'm thinking like, did the manosphere come to South Korea and start, you know, pushing their high value ways when you're talking about this stuff, but you look like a, you know, regular woman in America. Like I don't see anything. And if you, <laughs> let's say you were, you know, um, 110 pounds, you still as a black woman are going to have more following you than them behind you, you know, body wise. So they're going to have a problem. If you were a hundred and a hundred pounds, there's yeah. going to be a, cur a curve that and curves that you have that they don't have. So that sounds like a little bit of haterade. Uh, so, you know, because everyone's body structure is, is different. Um, mm -hmm. I sit at 200 pounds and try not to go over that, but people say, you can't be 200 pounds. I'm like, yeah, it's just solid muscle. This is what happens, <laughs> you know? And I've seen women who are 200 or and above pounds who are bodybuilding type who are still feminine. So I, I just kind of yeah. like to jump on that because everyone's not the same. And what is weight? You know, first of all, it's none of your business <laughs> unless right. you are, you know, uh, uh, unless you are there, you're there, they're your doctor and saying this is unhealthy or they're a spouse saying, Hey, I want you to be around. But again, from what I can tell you, I don't see any issue the same way. I don't see an issue for myself, but, um, <laughs> I, and I like my, I like my size. I like being able to, you yeah, know, well, you, you look know. fit to me. Thank you. And so do you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I do need yeah. to lose some weight, but I just feel like that's my prerogative. They don't need, I didn't ask for their opinion. They're not my doctor, but it's, yeah, they're very harsh. And like you said, they're naturally small people usually, but they, they almost want to be almost like runway thin, like model runway, like under underweight like the pressure here is very high and, and you know what if that's what they want the same way i wouldn't want them to shame someone for being more i i don't want to shame them for being less i just know that 
when you have to keep doing the plastic surgeries, there's some problem mentally and that they have high plastic surgery. It's not just the eyes. And I, I have a prediction. I think Asian girls are going to start getting the, um, what is it? The BB, uh, BBL, the, the Brazilian butt lift. Where yeah. they take that fat, I don't know. But I think they're going to start <laughs> doing that just because that's where we see the magazines in Hollywood. Black folk, we've been on it. We've been there, you know, black and brown. Right. Um, and once they start getting it, it's going to open up even some other doors, you know, because and I want, I want to clear this up. It's, it's off topic a little bit, but people think and you, you understand Korean people think for some reason, especially American guys, doesn't matter, white, black in between that Asian women are submissive. And I tell them, you don't have enough friends who, you know, are from other cultures it's the same problem for a man i say every woman's gonna give you the same issue pick yeah. wisely but can you talk about do you think being a woman that you find that these women are more submissive because there's a difference between being not so aggressive and not just being loud and being more conservative than being submissive and i've seen some arguments and some languages in asia that i'm like dang <laughs> that's the same argument we had <laughs> Yeah, I would. I don't think so. I honestly think that stereotype comes from just their physical appearance because maybe they're so petite. It just seems, you know, less. It's like disarming and less threatening uh, versus a, a black woman. We might, you know, we we tend to get the stereotype of being masculine and aggressive, just because maybe our stature. And of course, racism. But I, I think it's the very opposite for Asians that they really use their stature and physical appearance to disarm a lot of people, um, men, the women and the men. And that's something that's kind of made me so like not to jump um, topics, but the whole Asian hate thing. I think that that is really a big part of what's fueling it is people are thinking, oh, these little Asian people, like, they're so helpless and these big black people are attacking them. And it's very infuriating because no, they're, a, you know, they're human. So they have good and bad within their group as well, you know, just like anybody else. But as far as the women know, like, I, I do think that they do kind of play their cards, though, that they, um, how is that saying, like, the woman is like the neck, and if the man is the head, like, he can't turn without the neck, or however that goes. I think that they do play their cards pretty well. So they're still running things. <laughs> Well, you know, some of that, it, you know, we talk about different culture, but when you get outside of American culture, the fact is that, you know, gender roles, people, you know, kind of know them, but also um, men are still men. 
and they yeah. don't feel like they are. Sometimes you, you know people feel hang, handcuffed. I'm pro, I'm one of the few. I say what I want and I mean what I say. I never mean to offend anybody. But you have so many men who have only been raised by women, so they don't even know how to be a man. They don't know what a man is. Therefore, you start switching things, and then you have women who never have seen a man. So the only thing they've seen is Cliff Huxtable or some gangster yeah. on TV, and it's the community in other places if you are a single parent that will the village as you know we always talk about we've lost our village where back yes. in the day your auntie yes. your neighbor could spank you so it's a lot of other factors that play into it and i don't want to blame anyone like oh if the men only stuck around because we already know the history and yeah. why in this country men aren't but that's the the difference but that's right. i'm a date i'm a i'm a semi-pro date doctor for couples who've married, you know, when people want to get advice about business or relationships, I tell people, one, you might want to find someone who's married like myself for over a decade. You might want to find wow. someone in business who actually has run and runs successful, whatever that means, businesses. To me, it just means, you know, we get to kind of do what we want. But when you're listening to people who are not they haven't got that road or they have you know multiple divorces or whatnot it's like what are we listening to you know or someone who's broke if Oops. you would have if you would take the youtube money away from them you know or are the you know the the ball player check maybe even away i don't want to have people think oh you're talking about so and so no i'm talking about everybody because we have broke people feeding people business advice and it's like you with writing a book i i've written three or four books. We have a publishing company. So I've been on the other end of it as well. And mm -hmm. if someone wants to learn how to write a book, they need to come to you or I. They can't come to someone who just talks about it in theory every night. So, yeah. you know, let's get deep into the book. Give the people some more jewels of the book, what they're going to learn. And, you know, of course it's on Amazon and links will be in the description. But I also want to know if there's a part two or in other books coming down the road. Um, you know what? I really should have. <laughs> I should have marked some places to talk about it. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a part two to this or not. Um, the whole Asian hate, what I think is propaganda, is kind of making me want to add some some more to it, but. I don't know if I will. I think for me, this book was very therapeutic and it was a way to get a lot off of my chest. And I'm now focusing more on writing like a fiction and just something that's not so heavy, at least for now. But I, I just put together a coloring book, actually. It's called The Bird's the Word, <laughs> and you can find it on Amazon. It's um, an adult coloring book for stress relief, and I don't have it with me. I wish I did, but, um, yeah, you can find it there. Um, let me think about... Uh, I think the, my favorite chapter in the book is about K-pop. And it's not like, I think that it sounds pretty good, but it sounds so familiar. 
And that's because I just think that so much of it is just stolen from Black American music. And I just have such a problem with it. I, I'm really, I really actually feel kind of heartbroken because Black Americans, we've gone through this already with white Americans copying our music and getting like all the fame and notoriety. And to see it happening again, and it's so huge. It's so huge. Like one of the popular boy bands here is like the Beatles. They're literally like the Beatles. They have huge followings. And it's just so strange to me because I'm like, why is everyone acting like this is new music or a new sound or even really good? And it's really not. It's very like, it's very auto-tuned. And it's just like the videos are flashy. I mean, I guess they're, they're really made to capture um, children's attention is, is what I think it is. But I'm just really sick of seeing people who as a collective don't like black people, but then they'll steal our culture and make so much money and get so famous and then all of these other groups of people like you like they participate in that they they want their black culture from non-black people and i think for me that's my favorite chapter in this book is where i write about k-pop <laughs> well I, let's get into k-pop because i am a fan of k-pop because i know that there's many black producers behind them who go over to Korea to make their bag when America doesn't treat them nice or fair and uh -huh. they are, they don't want to play the game. And I, and I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, because, but I look at it too, like this black Americans, especially we create what pop culture is for, mm -hmm. you know, all of our lifetimes and even our grandmother's lifetimes. Like before that, you know, um, maybe Shakespeare was doing his thing, but even he wrote about black people, right? Um, when rock and roll was going on and little Richard was creating music and then it had to be redone by white face. Cause that's where white people were at. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. Riddle, Little Richard only got the half of the penny for, you know, most of his career he talked about. And I, that's what I see K-pop is. They're trying to sell it, uh, black music, black entertainment to people who don't even know who we are because we're really not there in the masses. You know, that's why people can look at you and be like, oh, like, who is that? Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I get it, it. But if we give our stuff away, if we give it away. W rather than sell it because my services are for sale worldwide globally I, i'll go anywhere right but mm -hmm. it's for us not to sell ourselves short and if we would work with each other it's like right now someone could take your book and say you know what this was great from the black experience let me take that book take some of her stories and remix mm -hmm. it okay it's flattery and hopefully they pay you for that and and for your expertise because in art we can't like be in a box. Like I am a PR artist, so I can't be in a box. Um, even when I die in 80 plus years, I, I don't, don't put me in a box, scatter me. Like, you know, I did my mother. I don't, I, I can't live in that box because if we look at the people who are winning in life and winning, let's just 
say it's making money, right? Making progress, have power. They're not playing by the same rules that maybe you play by. They're saying, you know what? I'm a teacher, but I'm going to teach online because I don't want to have to show up to class when they want me to. Or I want to be paid. I want to take the cap off of me being paid. So I'm going to keep keep an online course. Or I'm going to, like the math doctor did, beautiful course I have it, people, for those who struggle or have kids who struggle with math. Put every lesson that you do, record it. So I get what you're saying of them, you know, taking our culture. But hopefully we're selling our culture. And hopefully, because the audience has a great ear, say, uh-uh, that's not it. You got to get Timberland on there. You know, get Timberland yeah. on that track, you know, because um, I don't I don't want to say a Korean name because people think, oh, man, you're making fun. now. I don't want to make fun of anybody's names because my name is unique. But that's I, I mean, as if we own our music, if we own it, then that's great. Then I I wouldn't mind so much. But I don't know. I'm still a little disturbed because. My students, for example, they'll say that they love hip hop and I'll ask who are your favorite artists and they only name white and Korean artists. And I say, well, well, don't you know any black artists? Like we're the ones that made it. And they have to think about it for like 30 minutes before they finally think of a black artist. And that just offends me so bad. Like. I just, I can't understand that. Like that doesn't happen to any other group the way it does, you know, to the di to the diaspora. It doesn't because the creator or something usually doesn't get their flowers until they're dead. Um, I referenced the great Paul Mooney who wrote for everybody from Richard Pryor to Red Fox to everybody, Flip Wilson. And, you know, he just passed and now people, oh, he was such a great person. They wouldn't even let Paul <laughs> Mooney get on certain stages. So stop right. all that. So and, and me being one of those people that are like that I, I i just have come to realize like it's okay as long as you get your bread yeah i don't have to have the the credits always let me get my money so i can flip things and my family will never need anything and my kids kids will have have you know a good start and have wealth now let me ask you this because i'm thinking when you say that for every problem that you see that's a business so you staying out there could be the hip-hop teacher off a off you know school grounds <laughs> or maybe you put it in the school and say i need to be paid additional i'm going to teach hip-hop or music culture because you guys are whitewashing it all the way yeah. so you know there, there's an opportunity and because you speak fluent korean correct um i'm really not that great at korean but I mean, I can communicate fairly well. So there you can put it in Korean for those because it's not for the American audience. Forget us. You're doing it for the Korean audience. And for what you can't do, you have students and friends to say, look, we're going to subtitle this or you're going to do the voiceover track. So there's another business just gave you. We could go deep <laughs> into that. When yeah, I'm going to let you process that. But with the with this book. Um, and now you have the coloring book. Uh, where can people get the coloring book? It's on Amazon. So just um, just type in the birds, the word. And it's an adult coloring book for stress relief. And okay. It's, and um, it's what? Keep going. 
Oh, and I, I was just gonna say, and I go, I go is also on Amazon. Now, you, you, adult stress relief. Do you suffer from any stress anxiety that you said, "Look, I just, especially during COVID, that I just need to get this, you know, off my off my chest and need to find a way to vent." Like, why the adult stress um, coloring book? Yeah, actually, sometimes I'll have my students color a picture, you know, do some kind of activity. And I just found myself coloring and feeling really soothed by it. And I've heard about like the coloring books with like the different words, like either um, kind of inspirational words or like they have the swear word coloring books. And I just thought, well, birds, you know, like that's really beautiful. And I think that could be kind of a gender neutral activity. So I just went with the birds and I hope to come out with some more things in the future. <laughs> okay. And I, and I love that. I love that. Now, can you give a, a, a testimony? And this is so self-serving, but I want to know how were your sales prior to running advertisement on the African Diaspora News Network. And I say that to hopefully help somebody realize, you know, people, our, our people sometimes don't want to market themselves. We don't mind creating, but then the marketing uh -huh. we struggle with because the budget, we think it's expensive or it can be expensive. But, you know, what ha how have your sales grown for someone else to be out there and be like, you know what? I need to do that too now. She's helped me. I'm going to go run an advertisement on that same network. I've been thinking about it, but I was too scared to even ask somebody. Like, what? Talk, talk to the people. Testimony time inside the church. All right. Um, well, before I only, I'm not on social media. I'm really low key. And I don't have a whole lot of friends. So I just told like the few people I know and some of my family, and that was about all my sales. And I signed up for like the keyword search thing on Amazon, but I don't really think that helps. And I was just like, you know what? I really want to try to promote this book before someone else comes out with the book that might be similar you know, I'm going to be so mad at myself if I don't at least try to advertise it. And so I reached out to the African diaspora and I was actually really surprised to hear back from you guys because you have such a huge platform. And so I'm really grateful for that. And I will say that basically my sales have been um, definitely better than if I had never advertised and I would say I make back at least what I put, what I invest into the advertising. That was kind of my main concern is that I don't have a whole lot of money. So I didn't want to spend a lot and then maybe not even sell that many books and like have a deficit. But I have, and I've gotten pretty good reviews. Like most of the reviews, there was one review, which I'm so mad about. And I actually would kind of like to know why I had a low review. But <laughs> other than that, all of all of the reviews have been very kind. So I'm really appreciative of that. And it gives me a lot of confidence to keep 
moving forward and work on some other projects. But um, so I would say yes, like advertising is definitely great because, you know, you just need, you, we don't know everybody, you know, most of us, I mean, unless you have like a huge following on Instagram or something like that, this is a good way to go and doing it on, on a YouTube channel is really great because that's the new TV. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely, definitely. And you know, you, you do have um, more money than I would say most of the world. So it's just how you use it. And I'm so glad to hear that that was impactful. And I saw what your reviews were prior and how many you had, because I just document that stuff because I like to nerd out. And now she has, um, 45 or more reviews, people. And what you have to realize is everyone who buys, they're not going to review. Majority of people aren't going to review. So, you know, to see those sales, I'm so happy to hear that and that you are, you know, pushing with the coloring book. You guys look for that coloring book for sure. I want to bother Bootsy W for, you know, when her, um, her documentary for her travels and everything. And I'm going to do that off air because I'm not going to embarrass her and put her questions that she might not even thought about. But I do want to <laughs> give you, you know, a final word if you want to leave the people with anything. Um, final word is to, you know, not be afraid to go travel and definitely do your research before you go somewhere. I mean, I would not recommend going to North Korea or, you know, to certain countries, but, you know, just definitely do your research. If you're black, get a black person's perspective. Um, cause that was one of the things that kind of threw me off about Korea. A lot of, a lot of things I heard were like so great. And when I came here, I realized, oh, well that's because, you know, some people are going to have a, a certain experience, but overall, I guess it's been a pretty good experience. I think I'm kind of jaded cause I've stayed so long, but, um, I was actually thinking about moving, what was it, last year, but then COVID hit. Um, but yeah, just travel, you know, just don't wait until later in life. Don't wait until retirement. You know, you can do it now, just save up a little by little or get a second job. Or you could get like what I have going on here and you can work and get paid and you know, since I've been in Korea, I was able to go to China and Japan because they're very close, just one or two hour flight. And, you know, it's way cheaper than flying from the U.S. to those countries. And since she's traveled to those places, that what the YouTube or the next book also could be about. You guys have been blessed by the game. Bootsy, I thank you for coming on. We'll take this off air. As I always do, people, make sure if you do nothing else that you share this game to inspire somebody else. You are appreciated for that. Blessings. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia, 
Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is gonna cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that 100 US dollars is worth a thousand South African rand and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings? So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African. I already know how it's like. I know that, you know, when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to. Um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.